Hi St. James. Uh, for our reading today, we've got Exodus 17 verses 8 to 13. We're going to have this reading over three weeks. Um, we've decided to do this reading. We had a time 40 days during August where Steve and I had no caffeine and no alcohol and we prayed for St. James. And we said, God, what are you doing and what would you want us to do? And what do they need to teach, to learn? And this story came up again and again. So we thought we'd preach on it and see what God has to say to us. So we're going to do it over three weeks and take our time. We're looking at Exodus 17, 8 to 13. Then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, choose some men for us and go out. Fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek, while Moses, Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. And whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary, and so they took a stone and they put it under him, and he sat down on it. Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side, so his hands were steady until the sun set, and Joshua defeated the Amalek and his people with the sword. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. So, this story, it's got three generations working together, Moses, Aaron and Joshua. Three responsibilities, three different jobs. But let's start off with the Amaleks. Who were they and what were they doing? The Bible verse, verse 18, says Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. Now, Moses was not bringing the company of Israel anywhere close to where Amalek came from. The Amalekites, uh, it was a surprise attack. It wasn't necessary. It was horrible. What are they doing and who are they? Well, Emelech is the grandson of Esau, of Jacob and Esau, who were the sons of Isaac. Isaac had two sons, one who had no hair and one who was hairy. And the one who had no hair fought with God and put his hip joint out. He was the one who stole the elder son's um, rights. The elder son had a grandson called Emelech. Emelech would have grown up with that, the nasty Jacob family, ringing in his ears. They stole from us. They are against us. So here, Jacob's um, ancestors and Esau's ancestors come together in a mighty battle. Jacob's ancestors, the Israelites, have just left um, Egypt. They are exhausted. They've had bread from heaven and they've had water from a rock. And now this has happened. So what did they do? In verse 9, Moses says, the first thing he does is he says to Joshua, come, take some men for us and go out and fight. Fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I'll stand on the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So their weapons are staff of God and Joshua. 
often I find there's a massive temptation to just, you see a problem and you deal with it. And the best person to deal with that problem is you because you saw it. And we run round and round and round just doing the next big thing we need to do. Moses, however, responds to the crisis by knowing who he is. He does not lift up a sword. He gets a younger man to do that. Joshua, you go. And then Moses says, I will do something different. Whatever Moses is doing is not easier or harder. It's different because he is Moses and he is not Joshua. He does not need to be a superhero. He has learned in his trials in his long time that he just needs to do what he has, what God has got him to do. Sometimes when I visit families, um, especially funeral visits, I'll sit down and then a parent in the house will raise one eyebrow and look at a child and then flick ever so quickly towards the uh, kitchen. And the child will come up and say, Reverend, would you like a cup of tea? I say, oh, yes, please. And then the child dutifully goes off and makes a cup of tea. You see this with husbands doing this to wives as well. The wife knows perfectly well, or the mother knows perfectly well, how to make a cup of tea for me. But she has made so many cups of tea, she doesn't need to make any more. And she just, with a flick of an eyebrow, is able to get her child to do the work that she is no longer, it's not, it's not necessary for her to do it. And this reminds me of Moses. He lifts an eyebrow. Moses, Joshua, get some men and fight. Notice also, though, that Moses doesn't um, micromanage Joshua. He doesn't say, Joshua, you need this man and this man and this man and stand them here and stand them here and do this and this. He just says, Joshua, choose some men. And Joshua is in charge. Joshua has responsibility. Joshua has that integrity of his own. He chooses who fights. Moses is going to hold the staff of God. So what is this staff of God? Where have we seen it before? The staff of God that Moses is holding is the one that turned into a serpent and back again when he first meets God at the burning bush. This staff is the same staff that turned into a snake and ate the other snakes. Sometimes it's held in Aaron's hands and sometimes it seems to be held in Moses' hands. But it is the staff that split the Red Sea. It's the staff that just in the verses before the one we've read, verse 6 and 7, where Moses strikes a rock and water comes out. What do the Israelites see when they see this staff? Do they look up and see an old man and his stick? No, I suspect they look and they see their freedom. This is the staff that stopped them drowning in the Red Sea. This is the staff that gave them water when they were thirsty. This is staff is a memory, their memory, of who they are in God and who what God is to them. Not only a memory, this staff is the power of God. When this staff hits something, things happen. Do you know there's still legends of this staff in Jewish mythology? There's a story that the staff was handed down from leader to leader, from man to man, for years and years, until eventually, after the temple was built 
and God was no longer in a tent but a temple, the staff disappeared. So powerful is this staff. So strong. I guess uh, in England we probably have Arthur's sword from a stone. But Arthur picked the sword from the stone. It's not the same. The sword itself had no power. But this staff has power. And as we will see later, with power comes weight. So Moses goes up a hill, but he doesn't go on his own. He brings Aaron and Hur with him. Aaron and Hur are the priests here. It's made me think reading this. Lots lots of people, they want to be vicars because they want to preach. They want to lead the church because they want to basically be Joshua's. However, Aaron was never a Joshua. Aaron was always a priest. Aaron never fought. He always just hung around and enabled others to do their work. And here we find him again, hanging around Moses. He is known as Moses' brother, the priest. And what does he do? Moses' hands in verse 12 are growing weary. So they took a stone, they put it under him and he sat down. They are making the Moses, Moses comfortable. They are making it so that Moses can keep praying. And then they hold up his hands. Notice they don't touch the staff. That's Moses' job. They hold up Moses' hands and they make them steady until the sun sets. And so Joshua wins. Aaron and Hur are in the background. Nobody even really knows who Hur is. Their job simply seems to be making sure Moses keeps praying. They're looking out over the fight with Moses. Now there's a temptation with Aaron and her as well. The temptation is to run down the hill and grab a sword and help Joshua, especially when Moses' hands are so tired. Just one more person fighting might make all the difference. Or the temptation would be there to take the staff from Moses' hands and say, no, I've got this, Moses, you rest a bit. I'll hold it up. But that is not their place. Their place is simply to intercede that word we use for our prayers, to stand between Joshua and Moses. Not because Joshua and Moses need someone between them, but it's to enable Joshua and it's to, it's to honour Moses, support Moses. So Aaron and her stand between these two fighting men, enabling and equipping them. Do you know, if we lose one person from each of these three, if uh, Moses were to say, oh, do you know what? I'm too tired. I'm just going to go for a nap. Um, The staff can stay on the floor. Joshua loses. If Joshua says, no, do you know what? The staff is all encompassing. I don't need to fight because the staff is so mighty. I'll watch the battle from my tent then no one is organised in verse 9. No one is called to fight and they don't win. If Aaron and her stop what they are doing and stop holding their positions and potter off or help one or other group, then either the staff drops and the fighting continues or the fighting stops. 
They need to stay where they are, watching and praying. Moses needs Joshua to fight. Joshua needs Aaron to support Moses. And Moses needs Joshua. Uh, Joshua needs Moses and that staff of God. We're going to look over this for over three weeks. So we don't need to finish uh, completely and cover everything that could be said. There's so much to say. But I want to leave you with a question. Are you a Moses who carries the memory of our community for years and years? And if you are, are you holding up that memory and the power of God over St. James? Are you the sort of person who actually standing in the background and praying for one group and enabling another sounds like fun, sounds exciting? You need to talk to Steve and I because that is the role of a priest. Does the thought of being in the thick of it, having people surrounding you and praying for you as you march out into unknown and take victories for God, make your blood bubble with excitement? That's a Joshua role. If you're Moses, we need to honour you and support you as you pray. If you are Joshua, we need to stop fighting instead of you and let you step forward and pray. And if you're Aaron, we need to equip you so that you can stand between these two mighty groups of people. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that you give us all roles and gifts. Thank you that in this story there is no one on the sidelines. Everyone has a role to play. Our Father, we pray for our Moseses that they will know your anointing today to pray, to hold us as a community before you, to lift up holy hands and carry the weight of your anointing. And Father, we pray for our Joshua's as they are out talking to friends and neighbours of your love, working wonders to show your glory. We pray for them that they would know that we are praying for them. They would know your power and your might working through them. And lastly, we pray for our Aaron's as they stand in the background, supporting and enabling, that they will be satisfied to watch your kingdom come. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.